Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, my God. I'm looking at the, the, the network news shows. They just love leaning on the heat and making it about climate change. That's their favorite story in America. Because of climate change, because of evil Republicans, oil drilling trucks, and everything that goes with the world of MAGA. Jason Haldine passed out last night. All right, whatever. Yeah, I remember a day in, gosh, the 80s, the early 90s, it was 110 plus, three days in a row in Salina, Kansas, something like that. I almost died on the golf course. <laughs> Nobody mentioned climate change at the time. I'm not saying there ain't any, I'm just saying they're in love with the idea. Like the, the story about uh, insurance companies canceling uh, policies or not renewing possibilities on both coasts. I reread that New York Times piece that we referenced last week, and climate was mentioned in each of the first six paragraphs, including one paragraph where it was mentioned twice. Climate change, that sort of thing. Um, when indeed the insurance company said, no, it's a variety of things. But I, that's a near religious enthusiasm among some people. Right, right. And, and you've just got to take it on faith. It's uh, There's evidence, but it's often manipulated. So my official stance is uh, the rest of y'all figured out. It's just too much work to get past the uh, dishonesty. Well, what am I going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Your part. Sure. Do your share. That's all we're asking. But, but, <laughs> but China and India don't care. And statistically, we just we can't we can't make a dent if they don't care. We meaning you and me or the nation of 340 million people we live in? The United States can't even barely make a dent. 
Right, exactly. So, again, I'm selling my parkas and buying some shorts. <laughs> I, I remember on uh, the 4th of July, I tweeted out something to the effect of what an amazing country this is to live in and work in and find yourself in. And and there tends to be an over-focus on the problems, which is just kind of the nature of humanity. Um but it's worth reminding yourself every so often that this is still the land of opportunity and, and liberty to a large extent. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it struck me that a couple of different people uh, retweeted a chart that we discussed several weeks ago, median household income in the United States by ethnic group. And one of the people who retweeted it was Yeonmi Park, who is a Korean, North Korean defector. Uh, she has written a couple of books. She has a million YouTube subscribers. She's a big advocate for freedom and against dictatorship and communism. Um, and she, along with this chart, she tweeted, how can you ever claim that American, the American dream is only for the privileged white people? The facts simply tell us otherwise. The American dream is for anyone who believes in the possibility of this land and dedication to hard work. I am proud to be an American, she writes. God bless you, my sister. Anyway, the chart she's discussing, which again, we brought up earlier, but is worth taking a quick gander at, uh, median household income by ethnic group in the United States, and at the top, by a significant uh, amount, is Indian Americans. Indian American supremacy. That's what causes that. Which is not shocking. The Indian families I have met, particularly those who are headed up by immigrants, they believe in working 700 hours a yeah. week until you're 80. Then maybe you take a day off. That's yeah. just their philosophy of life. Yeah, I got a neighbor like that, and he and his extended family, all incredibly successful people, working like crazy. Yeah, Judy and I would hang out with these folks, and they're lovely people. Um, uh, they, they had some bright kids. We had some bright kids. Uh, but their bright kids studied like eight hours a day um, in, like, fourth grade. It <laughs> right. was something to observe. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so Indian Americans are at the top uh, at 100,000 plus. Filipino Americans are in second place. Then Taiwanese Americans, Sri Lankan Americans, Japanese Americans. You notice trend here? A lot of Asian folks. Uh, Malaysian Americans, Chinese Americans, Pakistani Americans, until you finally get down to white Americans who are in, what is that, uh, eighth place? Something like that. Um, at 59.9 a year, median. Um, and these numbers are a couple of years old, but they're relevant nonetheless. Then you got Korean Americans, Indonesian Americans, the average American, all Americans pulled, Thai Americans, Bangladeshi Americans, Nepali Americans, Hispanic, Latino Americans. Then at the bottom of the heap is African Americans. At $35,000 a year, which is it's a little more than a third of what the Indian Americans are making, but it's it's significantly less. And the great uh, thinker and writer Peter Bogosian also uh, blasted out this chart. His comment was, imagine believing that the only explanation for this disparity is systemic discrimination against the group on the bottom. Now, imagine the vast array of other falsehoods you'd have to convince yourself of for this to make sense. Which is kind of a uh, cerebral point, but a good one. Absolutely. And it reminded me of this editorial in the Wall Street Journal that I thought was just terrific. It was in the wake of the Supreme Court's um, Harvard slash North Carolina uh, decision about affirmative action. And they get a little bit into the political reaction. Democrats en masse are on the attack against the Roberts Court, the delegitimization campaign, personal assaults against Justice Alito's integrity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Senators Ed Markey and Elizabeth Warren want to expand the court to 13 seats, blah, blah, blah. Then they get to the, the gist of it. 
The U.S.'s polarization over race has indeed become deeply destructive. Its cause lies not in systemic racism, but more in political decisions made 60 years ago. And they go into how, you know, prior to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Republicans were pushing civil rights hard and were integral, uh, strong support for Republican senators for the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It was very much bipartisan. Um, and, And indeed... It's the Democrats in the South who held out the longest in favor of segregation. Anybody with a shred of historical knowledge knows that in the 50s and 60s, Southern Democrats were staunchly against any significant civil rights problems. Particularly, weirdly enough, Lyndon Johnson, who was the master of the Senate and very powerful and made sure nothing could ever see the light of day until he was president and then managed to get it through, which is very confusing to me. Yeah, we've wrestled with that transition a couple of times through the years, trying to figure out, was that a strategy? Did he have a Saul on the road to Damascus moment? Or what? I don't know. I don't think anybody does. Anyway, so it was really a bipartisan thing with a lot of resistance from Democrats. What came next was Lyndon Johnson's Great Society program, the, quote, War on Poverty. In effect, liberal Democrats back then said to Republicans and conservatives, step aside. The running of these programs to help black Americans is something we, Northern Democrats, are going to control. You Republicans don't have a role in this. No doubt the Democrats' takeover anti-poverty programs and their large financial transfers was done in part to keep black voters inside the party's coalition. Of course it is. Still, it's hard to overstate the monopoly control that career Democrats asserted over public policies affecting the lives of black Americans. The rest of the country was reduced to bystanders. From time to time, a Republican like Jack Kemp, uh, Bob Dole's running mate in 96, would try to cross the racial bridge with less centralized policy proposals, and he was rebuffed. What is there to show for this social welfare monopoly? Put plainly, the Democrat stewardship of urban black America, its education, housing, and family well-being, has been a policy and moral failure. Something I've said for a very long time, as others have. No doubt it was well-intentioned, at least in part, But at past some point, the catastrophe for black family cohesion and education was so embarrassing that by internal democratic consensus, it became virtually a non-subject. One exception would be Bill Clinton in the 90s said, hey, we got to fix the welfare state. It's ruining black families. And he uh, he had a variety of measures that were actually pretty, pretty successful. Bill Clinton, uh, uh, it's always worth mentioning way too conservative to run as a Democrat now and borderline too conservative for some Republicans. Right. And then they go into uh, the most disturbing liberal failure is in education. The race-based admissions policies of Harvard, North Carolina, Princeton, and other elite schools are the result of so many black Americans being underprepared by their public schools. Um, It mentions a visit to the editorial board by uh, public college university presidents, Um, who unapologetically argued to us that remedial courses in English and math were not only necessary for incoming black freshmen, but should be a requirement for college's accreditation. These university presidents should be on the ramparts for public school reform. Instead, they pulled down the shades and retreated to the salve of their admissions policy. They go into some of the details about the miserable publication, uh, public education in America's cities. You're more than familiar with that. I don't think we need to rehash it. But their point is... The Democrats are desperate to scapegoat the Supreme Court because it's a distraction from the horrifying failure of 60 years of Democrat 
uh, welfare policy. It's decimated the black family. So that the percentage of black kids born out of wedlock, for instance, pre the 1964 Civil Rights Act, fraction of what it is today, tiny fraction. Right, and it would, dang it, it would sure be nice if people would tie those things together. I don't know, but I'm guessing the uh, kids born out of wedlock and a variety of other stats for those groups at the very top of that income list you read us mm-hmm. are quite a bit different than it is for the numbers at the bottom. And oh, I, yeah, wish I came I, across that number the other day. It's like 13% for Asians and uh, and 72% for black families. And I wish people would, you know, be willing to say, you know, that's got that plays a role. It's not just white supremacy. Yeah, their answer would be it was white supremacy that created that. But right. that is right, absolutely sure. ignoring and abusing the historical record. It's utterly dishonest to claim that. So what do what do people who believe uh those numbers are about racism how do you how do you attribute that list of 15 different kinds of asians that are above white people they'll make some really ugly claims about yes asians have assimilated white supremacy or it's the model minority myth where the asians have submitted to the white supremacy to gain a foothold in america blah 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 hmm. okay. it's so ugly Uh, We've mentioned this before, but uh, the great Democrat liberal lion of the welfare state, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, um, who got a lot of this stuff going in the late 60s with uh, Lyndon Johnson, he commissioned a giant study. What year was it? It was in the very early 70s, I think, because back then, and, and, and knocked me down with a feather, the government officials were curious to see whether the programs were working. And so they did a big study of the welfare state and the effects it was having in Moynihan, who, again, was Ted Kennedy-esque in his liberalism, big believer in the social welfare state. He got this report and said, hey, this is not working. In fact, it's hurting families. It's destroying families. This is bad. But the electoral stranglehold on black America of the Democratic Party and then black America's dependence on those programs was growing so strong. It was so clearly an electoral win that the great champions of the welfare state said, yeah, never mind, nothing to see here. Unbelievably cynical and millions have suffered for their selfishness and greed. End of rant. So if you're an employer, a boss, maybe you already know this. I learned it from the Wall Street Journal. There is a new workday dead zone, coast to coast, where nothing gets done every day. And it came out of the pandemic, and it looks like it's here to stay. We can talk about that, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Barbenheimer, or what? what is the mashup that got so much attention over the weekend? The oh. meme of the combination of the Barbie movie and the Oppenheimer movie. Yeah. Became a thing over the weekend. Maybe we Oppen Barbie or, or whatever. Yeah, that was we'll pretty to, funny. We'll have to get into that to a certain level. Also, yeah. we had uh, a number of people say they spit their coffee through their nose <laughs> over something you said. Uh, I mentioned I got on a thread somewhere. It was uh, the four... The four words you don't want to hear on a first date, <laughs> and yours was get in this barrel, right? Which is a very it. darkly it's humorous. Dark, you know. I apologize. <laughs> Here are some of the others for the four words you don't want to hear on a first date. <laughs> the most common one, of course, and this must have been a conservative, conservative leaning site. Maybe I don't even know, but my pronoun is yeah, Duh. and then fill in the blank. Um, sorry for being late. That's a good one. Um, my ex used to. That was a popular one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry for being late. Uh, if it's a pattern, maybe it's an issue, but eh, no worries. My ex used to, though, was probably, might have been oh. the most uh, popular. So if, if, you've, if, if you hadn't caught on to that, the starting to complain about your ex uh, in your new relationship is not something people want. I forgot my wallet was a popular one. <laughs> this is actually All the right, one that now me, you're just a scammer. This is the one that made me laugh the most. <laughs> I financed my waterbed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, hard to imagine that that would come up, but if it did, definitely a red flag. The list from 1979. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, so I was unaware of this. Did you know that there is a dead spot in America, in American culture for work now that didn't used to exist? The new workday dead zone when nothing gets done, according to the Wall Street Journal. Late afternoon, when many colleagues vanish, is why so many managers hate hybrid work. The 4 p.m. meeting is canceled because half the team can't make it. You send an email with what would have been the main discussion points, and the replies roll in through the evening and into the next morning. A consensus that could have been reached before dinner now forms the following day. The hours that bookend the traditional close of business have become a dead zone at companies, but employees just aren't blowing off work for to relax for the rest of the day. Workers, for whatever reason, across the country have decided that a roughly 4 to 6 is when they take their time to pick up the kids from school, go to the grocery store, go to the gym, play golf, whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And because you can do so much work from home on your computer, uh, especially since COVID set us all up for that, uh, people get back to it later. So there is a new dead zone that didn't used to exist late afternoon, early evening, where you're not going to get a, re- a reply. So they figure, I'm, I'm just going to go do my stuff at 4, then if I have to answer an email at 8.30 tonight, I'll do it. Right. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and employers are trying to figure out how to deal with this, or if this is just something that's here to stay, and it will become like, uh, you know, some of your foreign lands where they, like, shut down all the businesses. You know, Mexico, Italy, I think, did this. Yeah, when I was in Italy, they did this in the afternoon. Like, at, like, 3 o'clock, they would just shut everything down for an hour, and everybody take a break. Take a siesta. Yeah, bring back the siesta. <laughs> couple of drinky poos at lunch and then a little nap come on they take a nap they learned this from looking because there are zoom and microsoft Teams statistics and the number of in-person meetings scheduled between four and six all across the country has dropped dramatically little by little so it's becoming a dead zone it's the francification of america we've been talking about this for a long time we're less about achieving and, and leading the world and working and more about you know work-life balance it'll be a while before we're fully friends enjoy the ride everybody if you miss an hour of the show get the podcast armstrong and getty on demand armstrong and getty across america bp supports more than two hundred seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global... You can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Chilling new 
details about the alleged Long Island serial killer, who authorities say was living a double life for more than a decade. 59-year-old Rex Huberman accused of killing three women who police say he secretly solicited for sex and he suspected in the murder of a fourth. Crime scene detectives meticulously searching Huberman's Long Island home since his arrest Thursday spotted pulling out garbage bags and a filing cabinet. Authorities say Huberman's alleged use of burner phones, his Google searches about the case, and DNA lifted from this pizza crust helped tie him to the murders. Once again, Google searches. Hey, all you murderers, you can't just Google how to dispose of a body and then get away with it. Yeah, this guy did a lot. And that was one of the aspects of the thing that I found at least mildly disturbing was that the cops got Google warrants and could go into everything he'd ever uh, written or emailed or searched or whatever. Wow. How hard is it to get a Google warrant? As easy as a FISA court ruling against Carter Page? I don't know. Right. Anyway, a uh, awful serial killer was busted on Friday in New York, or at least they held a press conference on Friday. I happened to be on the elliptical machine uh, during one of my rigorous middle-aged guy workouts and, um, and, and watched the press conference and a bunch of additional coverage and, and that sort of thing. I have an elliptical machine. I haven't been on it, but I have one. Hmm, that's the first step. Is the key to being on it? I thought just having one would get me on to be make my heart Again, healthier. you've made the first step. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, there and you you've go. made it. There Congratulations. You of course, if you you know take a thousand steps, you wouldn't need the elliptical. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so where do we begin with this guy? First of all, he is uh, accused of three murders. He is the prime suspect, really the only suspect in a fourth um, and they wouldn't have moved on the guy, except that the three women, well, four, he killed were all escorts. They were all part-time or full-time prostitutes, if you prefer that term, or sex workers, which is an interesting angle on the story. Escort um, really does sound like you're paying someone to attend the, uh, whatever that gala is that they have in New York. So that's right, the Met Gala. Oh, my goodness, my fiancé can't make it, and it's a plus one. It would be humiliating to show up alone. I'll get myself a high-class escort. Yes, but that's not what it is. No, no, indeed. It's prostitute. Um, Although we use the term sex worker now. But before we get off on that tangent, so this guy is absolutely uh, the suspect slash uh, QZ in four murders. They stepped in before they could get their act fully together on that fourth murder because he was still contacting sex workers oh. and trying to hook up with them and oh the rest my God. of it. And they thought, we can't watch this guy closely enough to prevent him from killing somebody How else, so we better say, move in. How old did you say the guy is? Oh, he's in his 50s. Uh, middle 50s, something wow. like that. I don't have it in front of me. but um, Now, these killings go back to like uh, 2008 through 2013. But there are another eight or so bodies that have turned up on that beach or in the woods near the beach through the years, and they'll absolutely be looking at this guy for those. So one aspect of this that I found pretty interesting and really kind of thought-provoking was that when these killings 13 years ago started, because it was, as they said at the time, prostitutes, nobody cared that much. The cops weren't that serious about finding the guy. There was a bit of a feeling of, well, you know, that's not that big a deal. 
And a lot of the victims' families now are out and doing interviews and stuff like that saying, yeah, she picked up extra money doing tricks. She was a mom. She was this. She was my sister. She was the, the kind of person who'd do anything for you, and I don't mean sexually, um, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's such an interesting phenomenon that in my mind, something good has come with the bad. At this point, we're so pornographic and hypersexualized. We're showing porn to children in, in school. We're more comfortable talking about a quote-unquote sex worker and thinking, well, that person may have like given people sex for money, but that doesn't mean you get to murder them. That was a human being. So it's weird how, to me, something positive has come along with something tawdry and not great. Mm. But anyway, uh, and they, there was a, a bit of analysis on that on Friday that I found thought-provoking, obviously. Um, one of the ways they busted this guy, though, was... And, and there are a number of reasons. I've not engaged with sex workers throughout my life. I'm faithful to my wife. Uh, I'm cheap. Um, <laughs> and it just it seems like a bad idea because I'm always afraid that there's a boyfriend who's going to come out of a closet and bat me on the head. Whatever I've even thought about it. And wouldn't, I've never seriously thought of it. Wouldn't look good on the evening news if it were a cop. Well, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so what happened was one of these gals who ended up murdered, her pimp... And she, we're going to work a scam where uh, he appears as the angry boyfriend. She already has the money or whatever, and they were going to scam this guy to take his money or whatever. Uh, it didn't work. This guy drove away with her or something. I can't remember exactly how it came apart, but this pimp saw the Chevy Avalanche, the first-generation Chevy Avalanche this guy was driving, and saw him through the driver's window and said, all right, first of all, it's like a grayish-black Chevy Avalanche. And and dude was like an ogre, he described. A six-foot-four, big dude. But he didn't say anything to the cops until the task force was formed a couple of years ago. So even he was like, well, one of the girls disappeared. What are you going to do? Ooh. Wouldn't help the cops. Wow. Wow. A different time. Well, you think yeah. you know pimps? On the other hand, uh, a combination of uh, the task force being formed, because the new DA said, no, we're not going to let dead people just be dead around here. We're going to figure out who killed them. Good, good guy. Mm. Serious law and order guy. Total contrast with the woke DAs of America. He said, no, we're forming a task force, state, federal, county, everything. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Combined with... Uh, much better mitochondrial DNA analysis, and they busted this guy. Big old ogre-looking son of a gun. They used cell phone records, too. Speaking of technology that solves crimes but is a little scary, Jack, they figured out, all right, these burner phones, we can identify uh, that burner phone number because they called the, the victim's numbers. Let's see, that burner phone was used in this box on Long Island. Oh, and interesting, it was also used in this box in Manhattan. So we have somebody who probably lives on Long Island in this, you know, substantial sized but not infinite box, and they must work in Manhattan in this box. And you combine this guy's appearance with the DNA, with the, the cell phone boxes and the Google searches and the rest of it, they got onto this guy and busted him. And how many victims he actually had, difficult to say. That's definitely a good thing that it's the, the the ability to catch bad guys is increasing a lot. It's also, you know, uh, a way to spy on us is getting a lot better, too. But 
When I was watching that Bonnie Clyde movie a couple of weeks ago that I was talking about, watching that movie, it's just like it was so easy to get away with crimes back in the day. Mm. You could rob yeah. a bank over there and be fine in this town 50 miles away. Nobody was going to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, let alone, but now, yeah, with between getting the DNA off a of pizza crust and being able to narrow down where your cell phone calls came from and all that, it's really quite amazing. So two more pieces of information that are kind of contradictory. Number one, this guy was a famously, almost insanely meticulous architect. And sometimes his clients said, oh, it's amazing. He he was more detail-oriented than any human being I've ever met. And other people said he made me insane. He was so detail-oriented, he wouldn't, like, get to the business. That's often a serial killer. They're often very meticulous at hiding evidence. Uh, On the other hand... Dude still had that uh, that Chevy pickup truck that he was driving around, finding his victims, killing them, and dumping their bodies. All these years later, he still had the thing, which I would have been tempted to get rid of right? if I'd been doing serial killing in it. So uh, they think they're going to tie a whole bunch more to this guy, probably? Well, they're being tight-lipped about the other investigations, but three definitely, one more probably, and again, there were several other women who turned up in this very same area through the years. So, Guy had a wife, kids. Oh, really? He killing when they were out of town. Yep. Now, that I hadn't heard. Oh, yeah. wow. So one of those deals. So now yeah. we're going to hear from the wife that she seen, he seemed perfectly normal or she always thought he was a weirdo or the same with the kids. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a typical or classic double life. Mm-hmm. Wow. How creepy would that be? Guy's big as a house, too. An ogre, you say? Yeah. Yeah. Not like Shrek, cute and lovable either. M- yeah. More murdery. Donkey! Oh, boy. Uh, let's have a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. When an intruder threatens your home, every second counts. That's why we're excited to tell you about the latest innovation from Simply Safe Home Security. It's called 24-7 Live Guard Protection, and it's made possible only by Simply Safe's new Smart Alarm Wireless Indoor Camera. Now listen to this. With the Fast Protect monitoring plan, if an intruder breaks into your home, Simply Safe agents can see, speak to, and deter them through the camera. So they're going to say, hey, dude, we're watching you. You might want to put that pearl necklace down, warning them that they're being recorded and the police are on the way. It's a game changer in home security. The new camera is also only indoors. Uh, the new camera is also the only indoor security camera that can trigger the alarm and deter intruders with a built-in siren. It's just one of the many options. You customize the system for yourself and your needs with Simply Safe, and with Simply Safe, professional monitoring costs under a dollar a day—a bargain for the peace of mind it provides. Right now, Armstrong and Getty listeners get a special twenty percent off any Simply Safe system. <clears throat> excuse me, when you protect, when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring, huge offer for a limited time. Visit simplysafecom Armstrong. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Um, maybe we should break on time for once. Uh, the uh, the mention in uh, Donkey and Shrek reminded me, old movies, we watched Back to the Future over the weekend because it was 109 degrees and you couldn't go outside. We watched Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2. I want to comment on that in a way I think it is very interesting. I got some questions about that. And if you don't know about the Biden administration's Iran envoy who was dismissed secretly, 
had his security clearance taken away, is being oh. investigated by the FBI, and the, and the Biden administration won't say anything about it. And the Republicans are starting to say, hey, do we have a spy on our hands? What the hell? Uh, that's an interesting story. Bunch of stuff on the way. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I just got yelled at for asking a very reasonable question. So I'm applying to go somewhere and I just wanted to know, are there accommodations for people who struggle with time blindness and being on time, you know? And then the person I was with interrupted and acted like I was asking something else. And then when we were done, they actually started yelling at me and saying that accommodations for time blindness doesn't exist. And if you struggle with being on time, you'll never be able to get a job, you know, provided you're trying your absolute best to be there. So uh, we'll have to talk about that more later. I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't know time blindness was a claimed thing. That's a, And I can't tell if that's a joke, if that's parody, or if that's real, because in the modern world, it's impossible. Um, no, no, I saw the original video. It's absolutely not parody. That's a young woman who believes her utter inability to be anywhere on time is something called time blindness <laughs> and needs to be accommodated in the workplace. <laughs> that's a good one. As we discussed earlier, I have a competence blindness. I screw up everything I do, but you need to make accommodations, please. Yes, I put hamburger meat in the milkshake machine. I have a competence blindness. I have embezzlement syndrome. I just... (laughs) I believe all money is owed to me, so I took some of it. You need to make accommodations. Oh, my God. Um, uh, Kickoff hour three. I want to talk a little bit about this Iran envoy in the Biden administration that is gone. Uh, They replaced him. And uh, why? And the FBI is investigating. And now Republicans in the various committees are saying, hey, you got to tell us this. This is a big deal. So if you haven't heard this story, it's it's got the makings of something pretty jazzy. I have suffocating genital syndrome, where if I don't take out my genitals and air them once an hour, I have an anxiety attack. You need to make accommodations for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mentioned that uh, me and the boys watched. I've been meaning to show them Back to the Future for quite a while because it, it's a reference that comes up a lot. It's a cultural touchstone, really, of modern life uh references to it and that sort of thing and uh plus i had read a review saying it holds up very very well and it did i watched it with him i hadn't seen it since it was new in 1985 in the theater so it'd been a while since i had checked in i'd forgotten there's one scene that was a lot more rapey than i realized and uh, wasn't exactly what i wanted the kids to see but oh yeah um uh like the movie okay so we watched that on Saturday night. So yesterday, it's 109 degrees. What are we going to do? We're running out of things to do. I got them outside for a while, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's watch, watch Back to the Future 2, which, if you don't remember, Back to the Future 1 sets up at the very end. It was designed to have a uh, a sequel. Back to the Future 2 is set in the year 2015, which is my kids were <laughs> throwing back their head in laughter at the hilarity <laughs> of what they thought 2015 was going to be like in 1985. And um, we don't have flying cars and floating billboards and all these different sorts of things. And we're not all wearing 
kind of like spacesuits and stuff like that in 2015, which was eight years ago. The inevitable silvery jumpsuit of science fiction. Yeah, but I thought it's interesting that in terms of predicting the future, uh, you go with something like flying cars or space clothes or whatever, but nobody could have predicted the cultural stuff. No, Nobody was talking about the Internet. And that is what's changed society and the world more dramatically than flying cars. Wouldn't you agree that the Internet is a bigger change to society than flying cars? I think it, is. it clearly is. Oh, yes. Yeah. Somewhat more efficient transportation compared to the interconnection of every weirdo on Earth with every other weirdo, for instance. Or, or what it's done to our politics and the fact that, you know, I don't know if this is why, but it certainly plays a role in the fact that because in the in in the. In the movie's version, in 2015, people still seem to be falling in love and dating and getting married and having kids, and that's kind of gone out the window. Well, of course they were, because it was utterly unthinkable right. any other th- scenario. Right. That That's what struck me, is, this, is our inability to predict things as crazy as that. You can predict, well, we'll have flying cars. And every space, in every movie about the future, we wear uh, spacesuits. But nobody would have even, nobody in the room writing the script would even have thought people will stop dating and young people will no longer want to have sex or have kids. Or you can have a a six foot, two inch man in a room, point to that man and say, that's a woman. Right. And other people will have to say, yes, yes, it's a woman. Right. Don't hurt me. Yeah. You talk about something impossible to predict. A... A biological man will dominate college swimming. Impossible to predict that in 1985. There is a story out of Springfield, Illinois right now. I can bring it to you later about a high school girl who was booted off her swim team, her YMCA swim team, because she objected to a full grown naked man in the girls locker room. This is a high school girl. And she said, this is not acceptable. They said, fine, go. That's how insane we've become. And that's, don't, don't lose track of how insane that is. Please. That's insane. Can you picture me as a grown-ass man walking into a girl's locker room in 1990 and saying, what are you going to do about it? Go ahead and change, girls. The cops would have wrestled me down and gotten in a little stick work. Just for the exercise. But back to my theme, uh, and I didn't get into this with the kids, but the, the them laughing at how wrong the predictions were about 2015 and 1985, things are way crazier now than any of the things they got wrong. Way further from the norm than, like you said, slightly more convenient transportation or different clothing styles. And right. it makes me feel like we got to be really humble about where we're going to be 20 years, 30 years from now. Completely unforeseen changes in culture and attitudes. Yeah, that's why good science fiction is so intriguing to me. It tries to predict those sociological changes along with the, the technological. Like Blade Runner is a good example of that. We do four hours. If you miss an hour, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.